0: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani, and here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: Well, welcome. Grab your pet, bring them around the radio, and grab your phone and dial this number. What? Boy, I'm being awful bossy today, aren't I? Oh, you're telling
2: everybody what to do, Hal. one
1: 405 8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie. It's a suggestion. So if you have a question about your animal their uh, health, maybe you've been to the vet and you need a second opinion, toll free one 405 8405 If you're having trouble grooming your animal, we have the dog father or the cat daddy today. He's going to be talking cats. In fact, I noticed we have sort of a cat-centric show. Did Whoops. you intentionally
2: no, book it that, that way? No, nope, but just kind of turned out that way.
1: So uh, Joey's going to be talking about trimming cats' nails. Apparently that's something you have to do. I didn't realize that. I've never trimmed any cats' nails in my life. I also understand uh, and I hear that you're dealing with a pig <laughs> and you're trimming its, a pig's nails, essentially, or a pig's pig- hoof.
3: Hooves. hooves. Yeah. But yeah, you know the one thing about pig nail trims or hoof trims, they're loud. <laughs>
1: they are loud. Uh, yeah. So if you hear any pig squealing in the background, that's just a, uh, a pig getting its hoofs trimmed. It's nothing more than that. Now, and it
3: does not hurt. I have to say that. They just most pigs don't like to be picked up and held and you know handled in in these kind of ways. So that's what they're they're objecting to. I'm
1: them. the exact same way. Also on the show today Dr. Robin Downing will be joining us. She's going to be talking about cats and pain. Now her specialty is pain and palliative medicine for animals. And she thinks and knows and will tell us all about cats' that don't show that they're in pain. In other words, they're in pain, but they they look like they're just going about their business. Or that you don't see them at all.
3: A lot of animals, especially prey animals, rabbits, you know, birds, none of those animals will actually advertise that they're in pain.
1: So it's not that they're not in pain or that they can't, they're not physically able to feel pain. It's just they're, they're genetically programmed not to show it.
3: Not to show it in the ways that we recognize easily. There are ways to learn and I know in this interview this will come out. There's things like pupil size, um, eye posture, um, the other ways that they might be sitting or moving around. So there are ways we just have to kinda of learn what to watch for. They're go so ahead.
2: different from men. Jay,
3: oh yes, go. no. Men
2: you know when men, they're men you pain. know when yes. they exactly that's what I mean. <laughs> Cats how. you don't know, but men you
1: boy, you know. It sounds horrible. I'm just so glad that its hoofs are just getting And that's
3: the funny thing. It could be, you would think there was like a bloodletting happening. It's just
1: a hoof trim. It's just a hoof trim. <laughs> that's hoof how they
3: react to everything.
1: <laughs> Do all pigs need to get their hooves trimmed?
3: Quite often, yeah, because they um, unless they're actually wearing them down, kind of like a dog's toenails, um, they do need to be trimmed. And some pigs will actually get what we call snowshoe foot, where it kind of looks like uh, they've got a pair of skis on their on their hooves. And that, that could be really painful, lead to arthritis, hoof cracks and stuff like that. So, yeah, most people don't know you need to get your pig's hooves trimmed. And how
1: often do you uh, trim those hooves?
3: It kind of depends on the pig and what kind of structure they're on. Um, I I would say a couple times a year at least. Um, There are some mobile services that will come to the home. um, But, you know, veterinarians such as us, you know, we do this kind of thing all the time.
1: That is,
4: uh, what do that- you use? Like horses, I know you use nippers to trim mm-hmm. the hooves. Do yeah. you use the same tool? Nippers.
3: Sometimes, yeah. So there's hoof nippers we'll use. Um, sometimes we'll use a little bit of a Dremel, uh, a little Dremel tool um, to kind of uh, file them down. Just kind of depends how bad things are. Um, but, yeah, a lot of times we use the hoof nippers to get the bigger pieces off.
1: Good, good to know. Hi, Mary. How are <laughs> you doing? Um, well,
5: I was doing better, but... Oh. Uh, we, we just found out that our little twelve-year-old Pomeranian has cancer. Oh, oh no! That's what so
3: kind? So uh,
5: well, they said it was an aggressive type of squamous cell carcinoma, carcinoma. Okay,
3: all right. And it was
5: lesions that were it was on his um, in his mouth on his gums. Okay. And they had to pull his front teeth, you know, his upper teeth, mm-hmm. in order to get the lesions out. But she said that she only was. I had brought him in to have his teeth cleaned, and I told her his gums were swollen, and then she called me back and said, no, it wasn't that his gums were swollen, it was this this growth, mm-hmm. you know, this lesions okay. on his gums and what she had to do. Um, but they said, I've got two choices, either just let him live a little bit longer and then put him down, which is breaking our heart, or... Mm-hmm. Um, to go in and remove the palate and his nose mm-hmm. okay. um, yeah. because she said it's very aggressive and it'll get to the part where he can't breathe
3: Yeah, the way
5: it's mm-hmm. the way it is spreading
3: oh, and wow. I didn't That's... know
5: you know at 12 years old I mean he's our third Pomeranian and they live 17 18 years
3: yeah but yeah. Um,
5: well, I, um I just don't want the little guy to suffer either
3: Right, right. So, you know, the interesting thing is I can, I can tell you about Jeffrey and Jeffrey was a Pomeranian that I saw many, many, many years ago who had um, a little different type of tumor, but a fibrosarcoma um, on his uh, jaw. And he was about the same age um, and uh, he had a biopsy done. And then eventually um, we had a surgery to remove his, about half of his lower jaw. Jeffrey lived another probably five years after that surgery, um, with, uh, you know, it's a, it's a huge surgery. Um, and it is, you know, something to go in with all eyes open and being fully informed. But, um, you know, I would say maybe before I met Jeffrey, I would think it would have been too much for a little dog, but, um, I was so impressed with Jeffrey's, Um, ability to get through it and you know the family was just really on board with all of the care that was necessary so it really um, if it's the right situation it potentially can be a good outcome now there are some things that before we talk about this kind of surgery with squamous cell carcinoma um, the good news about squamous cell carcinoma if we could say that is that it has a low metastatic rate so it doesn't tend to spread far and wide it just tends to grow invasively in the area it occurs Um, Mm -hmm. Um, In in the oral squamous cell carcinomas, if it's in the front of the mouth, it tends to behave a little better than if it's in the back of the mouth. Um, In the back of the mouth, it does tend to metastasize much faster than if we see it in the front. So that's good. Now, the, the things that we would do would be to check some lymph nodes. And, um, you know, if we're gearing towards surgery, then I actually have, we need to have a CT scan done to see, um, you know, exactly how far the the depth of that is. Um, and, I know he uh, had several
5: cysts and they were going to remove those, but they didn't have time because they said his blood pressure had dropped so low
3: mm, that they had okay. to
5: bring him out, you know. And they, she was sure she didn't get everything.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but, and that's uh, where, you know, this kind of surgery when we're taking, like, you know, part of the jaw off, it's, it's a radical surgery, and, um, you know, I don't typically do those surgeries. I do have a board-certified specialist that, that I call in to, to do that level of surgery, uh-huh. mostly also because they have to do, you know, a CT scan to know at what extent, how far back do we want to cut. You don't want to guess. <laughs> you want to be certain on this kind of thing so that well, we don't. Well, that's um, what she
5: said, you know, the results would be good if the findings were, When they, you know, did the biopsy afterwards that it was clear all the way around. But you can't even be guaranteed about that too.
3: No, no. And I, I personally would definitely advocate, you know, a CT scan. And it might mean, you know, n- no disrespect to your doctor, but I would say uh-huh. this is certainly of a level I would, if you have a specialty practice in your area, um, I would certainly consult with them just to see. Because imaging, in my opinion, is really necessary when we're talking this level of surgery. If we're going to take off part of the um, part of the jaw, part of the nose, we want to make sure we're not putting your pet through something and not getting far enough. Or, for instance, if it shows an, uh, evidence that the tumors actually already invaded up the sinuses, um, we wouldn't proceed with surgery. Then we would talk more palliative care. And this is, you know, like I said, it's a big surgery. Um, When this is typically done, most often we'll place a feeding tube um, just because, uh, you know, not being able to eat effectively afterwards is is very common when they can't smell and they have all this, you know, surgery up in the nose area. (laughs) Um, So a feeding tube just helps to get past that point of the discomfort and uh, get some good nutrition in while we're trying to heal
5: when they say they remove the nose do they mean off the face
3: mm-hmm. yep so um and that's where this varies we see this a lot in cats um especially white cats that go outside a lot will get you know sun-induced cancer squamous cell carcinoma so for them we will basically do what we call a nosectomy. we just pretty much remove the fleshy part of the nose and um Uh, sew things up so they definitely have a different appearance but once that's gone um, they still have little openings you know where they breathe through so they still have that but the post-opera period you know they're definitely breathing congested and so forth
5: well this is a big decision.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, like I said, I, I would always, you know, make sure you get all your ducks in a row, um, you know, and if possible, consult with a specialist. If the alternative is just palliative care, um, you know, you're, you're basically faced with, you know, pain medicine and modifying feedings until things get to the point where our breathing um, and our appetite is, you know, affected to the point where, you know, quality of life deteriorates.
5: Well, that's what they said that I would probably notice if I decided not to do the surgery that um, his breathing would probably be the first thing I would notice. But he was eating well up until I took him in, you know. Mm -hmm. It sure came on quick.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, this type of tumor we do see when teeth come out a little bit too easily. Um, It is one of the things we worry about that there could be, you know, potentially some cancer in the mouth that causes the teeth to kind of come out. um, Is it common? You know, it's it's not one of the more common um, tumors. I see it a lot more in cats, especially in cats and households of people that smoke, because um, that increases the rate of squamous cell carcinoma in cats. And I've had many cats with uh, this in Nobody their throat. Here, but... So, yeah, I mean, this may just yeah. be kind of the luck of the draw there. Yeah, well, I'll have to think about this. And definitely, if you do decide for surgery, that does need to be done. You know, we don't want to put that off because that's going to affect um, not something meaning like three weeks from now, you know, because things only get bigger and they get more invasive. So you would want to address oh, okay. that.
6: okay.
5: Well, I appreciate your help.
1: Thank you for okay. your call, Mary. All of our hearts are heavy for you now. We wish you the best of luck. Thank
5: you call. very much.
1: Take care. Okay. Toll free one 405 8405 well, this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Your pet's optimal. Your pet's optimal health. Visit them over at Red Barn Inc. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal
0: Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 866 405 8405 Hi, this is Joyce DeWitt on Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your
7: animals.
8: Thank you. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because Canine Caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1 866 405 8405.
9: It
1: is Animal Radio. We love our animals. We celebrate our animals, our animals, our heroes, our mentors, our family. And it's sometimes hard to tell when they're in pain. You know, they're so stoic, especially cats.
2: Yeah, cats. It's really hard to tell because they usually hide.
1: They might be in pain and you have no clue whatsoever because they don't show pain like we show you know if i get a paper cut you know what i do judy i'm like whining around the office there's no end to it but for a cat you may never know
2: you know i used to always tell by my cat is when his eyes would dilate if he was resting and his eyes were real huge i thought oh this is not a good sign that's just
1: one of the signs and we're going to have more of those signs coming up in just a few minutes if you have an older cat or a cat that's ill or has some kind of disease you want to be listening for this dr robin downing will be joining us once again. She joined us uh, <laughs> in our second year of our show. God, and that she, was like
2: 15 wow. years yes, ago.
1: And she'll be back to talk about that. She practices pain and palliative medicine for pets. You know, that's her deal. So we're going to find out exactly what the signs are that your pet, your cat or your dog or your ferret might be in pain coming up here on Animal Radio. And uh, Lori, we're just about, it looks like about 10 minutes away from a check in the newsroom. What do you have
10: this hour?
4: Going to be talking about uh, one of the airlines that underwent some um, pretty significant disasters in the last month. Um, They've decided to change part of their pet programs and, you know, how pets fly. So we'll give you the latest on that.
1: And, Joey, what do you have for the show today?
11: Well, see, I think I'm part psychic because I I, I didn't read... Um, who was going to be on the show today? And I'm also talking about cats and their nails and and um, how it can actually affect their health. So see, I didn't know it was going to be a big cat show today. So you're going to be the cat
1: daddy today, right? Cat daddy, baby. Okay. Check with Jackson Galaxy and make sure That's not trademarked. Okay. I just I don't want to get in kind of trouble. <laughs> get in. Let's listen. not get in trouble.
2: <laughs> Even though, wouldn't that be interesting? A sparring between. Jackson Galaxy, and Joey Valani. That
1: would be, well. Who would you put your money on? I don't know. <laughs> of course, Joey.
11: <laughs> Come on now. Do <laughs> we, we, we even have to go there? Then again, I might take a dive. You know, it depends on how Jackson, you know, I'm Italian. You know, me and Jackson go cahoots here, depending on, you know, what, what, how much money I can make.
4: <laughs> I just call you Birdman, Joey. That'd be perfect.
1: <laughs> it's Animal Radio. Hi, who's this? Hello, this is Richard. Hey, Richard. Hey, how are, you, are you doing today?
9: Hey, great. I wanted to tell you how to get rid of fleas.
1: How to get rid of fleas. We've been having a lot of flea calls today, so this is is helpful. This is Richard's take on how to get rid of fleas. How do you get rid of fleas, Richard?
9: All right, perfect. No poisons, no that. If you don't poison everybody in the house, don't send anything. Um, We were living down at the beach. This has been 20 years ago, though. Uh That was the last time I had them.
1: They're pretty bad down uh, at the beach.
9: Oh, my God. Anyway. We're just doing everything everybody else does, trying to get rid of them. So, uh, we had a four-model TV, and uh she wanted to leave the four-model TV on so he, could, the dog could see his plate of water she left for him.
1: Well, that's so nice. I that's considerate did. of her.
9: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we did that, and I muted the TV. I slept in there, and... Um, the next morning, the pie pan with all the lights out now except that television running. Uh, that pie pan was you couldn't see the bottom of it because of the fleas on top.
3: Uh huh,
0: I see.
9: Okay, here's how you get a fifth of them. All right, and uh, I kept doing that until they quit appearing. The okay, In so the let me make the-
1: sure I have this straight. You had a pie tin? Is that what you were talking I'm about? Water a pie You're tin. Of- any
9: Anytime. Kind of I would assume any type of pan, but uh, she put put the water in a um, pie pan.
1: And put it next to the TV. In front of the
9: TV. Yeah, right. She was a floor model TV, right up under the TV, (laughs) right uh, beside of it. Well, that's creative.
3: Hey, Richard, you guys have created a a really kind of unique spin on what we call a flea trap. And um, well, this is uh, this is something that's actually a lot of the uh, veterinary um, dermatologists and um, insect specialists recommend. Um, they don't necessarily incorporate the TV, which is kind of a cool little spin you've done, but using a, a low pie pan, pie pan uh, which is a low uh, threshold, so we know the fleas can kind of get in there easily, mm-hmm. and a, a direct light source shining into that site, which attracts the fleas to the area. Is it the
1: light or is it the heat that attracts? Or is it both? Uh,
3: uh, it's a little bit of both, really. Um, so when that shines into that area, it's just kind of a, a place that draws them. So, yeah, you're kind of selectively removing the adult form of the fleas. You're not doing anything for those immature forms, but, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks you'll have more fleas that will be popping out that uh, will, will hopefully be jumping in your pool <laughs> and watching some TV at the same time.
9: That, that's a- I, know it, I know it works every time. Yeah. Uh, I've got a friend of mine down here a couple of years ago, and uh, – I put her TV on the floor, and uh, it took care of hers the same way. But the
1: And it could be any way. program, too, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Make <laughs> them watch what? some infomercials. I'm sure that will really put them out of their misery. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
9: well, all the lights out in the house except that TV. and I had it on mute, leave it all night, and hello, Dolly. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's a very good
1: idea, Richard. I got to
2: try this. Give that a
1: try. Now, I would imagine that the newer TVs, the uh, LCD TVs, probably aren't. Well, I don't know if it's all light, but they're not as hot. So, it may not work with some of the newer LCD TVs flat panels. So, you need probably one of those uh, older ones. But a great idea, Richard. Thanks for calling toll-free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out with your dream team with your questions or flea remedies.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi,
5: everybody. This is Lori Morgan reminding you to please spay or neuter your pets.
1: Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, Subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about.
4: This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. After three big mistakes in a single week, all of them involving dogs and all of those incidents made international headlines last month. United Airlines has now suspended its transport of all animals in the cargo compartments of its planes. Now, however animals for which people had made arrangements before March 20th, they will still be able to fly. But United is not going to be accepting any more reservations for pets until it has completed what they're calling an internal company review of their programs involving animals. And that probably is not going to be complete until sometime around May 1st, they're anticipating. So once again, the change involves only animals traveling in the cargo department. But pets in small carriers that travel beneath a passenger seat in the main cabin, they will still be permitted to fly during the time of this program review. Uh, If you didn't know, United carries the most animals in cargo. And uh, last year they had 138 Thousand more than that out of 507,000 total animals among 17 air carriers. Now critical here though is that United has had the most animal deaths in each of the last five years. Last year that was 18 animals dying on United flights out of the 24 total animal deaths among airlines. Firefighters in Colorado, they were pretty surprised to learn that the litter of puppies they rescued from a storm drain recently were actually baby foxes. Before learning they had baby foxes in their care, those what they thought were newborn puppies were taken to a veterinary hospital where firefighters were told those tiny little things were really newborn red fox kits. Not something like you assemble. Kits are what baby foxes are, like baby cats are kittens or, you know, newborn dogs, puppies, a newborn horse is a foal. Anyway, the decision was then made to return the kits to the same storm drain from which they had been taken with hopes that the mother fox would return to the area and take over. There was a homeless man in Chicago who literally froze to death because he wouldn't leave the feral cats that he cared for, and he is being honored now. For more than 10 years, Antonio Garcia lived in a very tiny alley in Chicago. He slept in a tiny shack made from old wood scraps and discarded mattresses, and it was a home that he shared with a colony of nearly 20 wild cats. Antonio, who was 64, would always say, If my cats are fed, my heart is full. However, there was some really bad, brutal cold weather back in January when neighbors said that they didn't see Antonio like they had expected. So police went in and searched and they found him inside his shack, surrounded by several of his cats. Now there's a group there called Antonio's Friends, and they have taken over care of his cats, including having them all vaccinated, spayed or neutered and building outdoor shelters for them in fact this is such a big project now that volunteers recently said they finished setting up a privacy fence that would keep people out of the cat's living area and the cats also now have heated water bowls and feeding stations plus there is also a surveillance camera so that the volunteers can always keep an eye on Antonio's alley cats. I'm Lori Brooks get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's
1: Animal Radio. Proud to present the dog father, Joey Vellani. How are you doing?
11: I don't know how much of a dog father I'm going to be today, because I want to talk about cats. Oh, so you're the cat father yeah. today, the cat daddy. I'm, I'm, I'm cat gonna, daddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm the cat daddy today. But um, it, it's the reason why I want to talk about cats is um, I was um, at a um, fr- a friend's family's house over the weekend, and um, they have a cat, and it was it's an older cat. The cat was almost 20 years old, um, you know, but cats live a long time. And they said, yeah, the cat hasn't walked um, really well in about four months. And, um, oh, poor cat, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe the cat, just old and was a sweet cat. You go up and you, she's purring and everything. And then I looked at the pads. And we talk about dog's nails all the time. And I really never never get a chance to talk about cat nails. And a lot of people, they just don't. I I don't think it's a situation that it's neglectful. They just don't know. But sometimes cat nails will just continue to grow and they'll just turn right underneath into the pads wait, of wait, feet. Wait, wait, wait. You're supposed to cut them? I didn't realize you were... Was... No, seriously. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I know, have you know, never cut well, my cat's nails. Well, here's the thing. Sometimes cats, you know, when they sharpen their nails, um, in a lot of cases, that, that, that's good enough to take care of them. In some cases, you know, some cats don't do it or their nails just grow excessively. So what happened to this particular cat, and this happens often, this isn't something that's, you know, isolated. I've seen this a lot over the years grooming because we groomed a lot of cats. Um, They'll curl under and grow right into the pads of the feet. And when I looked at them, every single nail, every nail Mm. was grown on, Mm. on all feet were grown in. So I um, went home because um, I lived close by, and I got my cat nail clippers, and I came back and we cut them, and they were they were a good way into the pad, and we pulled oh. them out, and the cat let us, and bled like bloody murder. Oh. And do you want to know something? That cat is now walking perfectly fine um, since um, since I did it on Saturday. And, wow. And, yeah, cat the cat is working perfectly fine. So it's one thing you want to check and I know some people they get nervous because cats don't let you and you know, you don't want to get bit and you don't want to get scratched. But it's you know, it's it's inexpensive um to have a groomer do it if you can get the cat out of the house. If you can't, there's mobile units that'll come to your house or even your veterinarian. But um, I know pet grooming is usually a lot cheaper to have nails um, trimmed than it is if you go, if you go to the doctor. Um, but in fact situation is too, huh? Well, that's the other, what I was going to say. If the situation is real bad, you may want to go to your veterinarian because if it's growing into the pad, they might have to be cleaned up.
1: I can't visualize this. I can't visualize a groomer being able to cut my cat's nails, no less me. <laughs> in
11: fact, my cat would probably
1: let me cut their nails before a groomer. So what do you do? What kind of magic do you have?
11: If you have a good cat, you could do it yourself. If you don't have a good cat, you need you need a partner, okay? And whether that be um the pet owner or another professional, and it's just it's scruffing. You're gonna you're going to scruff that pet the old and, and and hold and hold the back the hold the back feet mm-hmm. while the while the groomer you know controls the front the front legs and and, and the nails. But you know the person, it's all in the, it's you have to trust your wingman because I'm gonna tell you what, if I'm cutting nails, <laughs> the last thing that I want is teeth <laughs> sinking into my hand. So you have to trust your wingman. And you're not going to hurt the cat. You know what? More damage is happening by letting those nails grow too long than the two minutes of cutting the cat's nails, of being scruffed and held by the back legs.
1: Awesome. Okay, there you go. If you want to talk to the dog father, the cat daddy or the dog father right now, <laughs> also has a bird, so you know he knows his birds too, uh, give us a call. 1 866 405
10: 8405. Hello Animal Radians, it's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, 5 Things to Know About Pet First Aid. April puts a spotlight on national pet first aid awareness. As a co-author of an upcoming pet safety and pet first aid book, I can't help but highlight this. So here are some of the basics that all pet parents should know. Let's start with prevention, as that's the best thing that you can do for your pet. Whenever I'm asked about how to be prepared for first aid situations, I always respond that prevention is the best and often the simplest thing that you can do. And it takes so much less stress and effort than engaging in pet first aid. So know your pet's environment, indoors, outdoors, hiking trails, dog parks, etc., and anticipate what may cause a potential hazard for your pet. This will also help you be prepared for what items you may need in pet first aid situations. One of the best things that anyone can do is to get themselves some education about pet first aid. And yes, there is a difference in pet first aid and human first aid. But I don't want anyone to feel uneasy about providing care to a pet in need. So let me reassure you that it's not any more difficult than human first aid. It just has some differences that can be critical. So take a course from an expert in pet first aid. Learn CPCR and other techniques long before you ever need to use them. Next, build your pets their own Pet First Aid Kit. You should have a kit for every member of your family, including your pets. And if you're bipetual and have different species of pets, have a kit for each one of those species. While many items will work for both cats and dogs, not all do. One of the most important things to know about Pet First Aid is that some things can be treated and cared for by you, the pet parent, and other things cannot and require medical attention immediately. When you're unsure, always default to getting your pet safely to your veterinarian or emergency pet hospital as soon as possible. To do this, you must maintain calm and command of the situation. Your pet is counting on you to know what to do, how to do it, and in a calm and caring manner. Another thing you can do to assist and prepare for these situations is practice some of the common pet first aid situations. Now, I'm not recommending you mummify your pup or kitten, but if you have a similar size stuffed animal, practice bandaging that stuffed animal. Practice gently muzzling it and transporting it. Think about how you will safely transport your pet to an emergency hospital or your vet. Finally, always be aware of where emergency care can be given in relation to your pet's locale. Know the hours, the phone number, the location, and more. It will not only save time, but potentially save your pet's life. Pet first aid is something every pet owner should know. Share your thoughts on pet first aid on our Animal Radio Facebook page. My mom wants a grandson, so I gave her one. Kind of. Meet Xander, a rescue dog who thinks he's a lion. Sometimes Xander gets messy when mom takes him for an adventure. That's where the Bark Bath comes in. Specially designed nozzles get beneath the fur for a deep clean. It's faster than a traditional bath, which leaves time for the important things, like watching a sunset. The Bark Bath from Bissell. The faster, easier, less messy way to bathe your dog. Visit GetBarkBath.com to learn more.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And when you think of uh, the sea voyages of the early days and you think about the animals that are on board those, you might think of parrots I oh, would yes. think of parrots like... The pirates, I, have, pirates that, have, have parrots. Pirates have on parrots on their shoulders. Yes, yeah, of, of course. <laughs> uh, rats. Dogs. Dogs. There, sure. Lots of varmints. I know that because they were moving grains. That oh, there was yes. always rats and yes. such. But do you,
4: Wasn't that why they took cats on board? Uh, that's what I'm just learning yes. right now. Yes.
1: Apparently, cats were big seafarers, too. Or seafarers, I should say. <laughs> and we have <laughs> Philippa Sandel joining us. She is uh, the author of Seafarers, The Ships, Cats, Who Lapped and Mapped... The world, and she's joining us from somewhere in uh, down under, I believe. Where are you?
12: I'm at Bondi Beach in Sydney,
10: Australia. Bondi Beach in Sydney, <laughs> Australia. <laughs> Sounds
1: beautiful. <laughs> it's very early there this morning, and I appreciate you waking up earlier. Tell us a little bit about the book and what sparked your interest in it.
12: Well, I have to say that um, it's it's one of those books that's been a long time coming. Um, some years ago. Um, I was chatting with a colleague and she was, she actually did serious books and serious biographies and um, we were talking about uh, a man called Matthew Flinders who circumnavigated Australia in between 1801 and 1803 and he had a ship's cat who did that voyage with him who was called Trim. And so we were just chatting about Matthew Finders and Trim, and, you know, and we had a nice conversation, and that was that, and away I went. And then I was walking on the beach not that long after, and suddenly the word seafarers popped into my head. Ooh. I don't know where it came from, <laughs> but it did. And I couldn't let it go. You know when you get these ideas and you can't let them go, and I thought, well, I'm just going to have a look and see what there is out there about ship's cats, because I've always liked cats. I've always had a cat. and I was absolutely gobsmacked to discover there's just like a whole world of the, um, quite famous ones on the internet. Um, but I was more interested in the, where people retell the stories. But I was more interested in what the stories of the people who sailed with them were. Um, and, it, and that's why, where seafarers come
1: from. So this is a story is told from Trim. Is that correct?
12: No, this is well I thought I could well I couldn't take over Trim. So I, my voyager is Bart.
1: Bart, okay. And and it's written from his perspective, right?
12: Yes, I thought it, Bart felt it was time for the seafarer's view of maritime history.
2: Now Bart is a sea cat himself?
12: Oh, absolutely.
1: Well, that would be the only way to tell us, the, the sea cat story. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I'm not quite sure he actually ever went to
12: sea, but um, he's got a lot of opinions about it.
1: Sure. Well, now, what does he think about the, uh, the whole water thing? Because <laughs> I, I understand cats don't like water.
12: Well, he, he's not big on water. He said we don't do laps, as in, look, you know, um, we're not going to jump into a pool and go swimming necessarily. But we can swim if we have to. Um, and that is really one of the most fascinating um, things that comes out of the book and the research is the number of times cats, shall we say, took a dive unexpectedly into the deep blue sea, and they stopped the ships
13: wow. and rowed
12: to the rescue, or they dived in and rescued them. Well, of course. I don't think that. <laughs> They wouldn't necessarily do that for a sailor, but they did for the ship's cat.
1: <laughs> and was it because they were good ratters or good mousers?
12: It yes, it starts off because they're good they're good good for pest control and you know, way back, you know, three thousand plus years ago, they didn't have the sorts of things we have for pest control. They had cats.
1: Mm. What what else would they do on the ship? Did they provide any other services?
12: Oh, a lot of comfort. Mm-hmm. A lot of comfort. I think when you start to look at the photographs, you see, and you read some of the stories, you see that um, simply having a pet, a cat, was incredibly important for sailors on long voyages far from home. It was something to talk to, something to sleep on the end of your bed. Um, And then some of the stories in the book also talk about things like the cat who helped catch the flying fish that flew over the side
5: um,
12: and, and other sorts of things like that. I think some of the stories, shall we say, are slightly on the tallish side, ah. but uh, <laughs> they provided a lot of entertainment. They taught them tricks, so they would jump through hands. Um, they were just good, loyal shipmates, really.
1: It makes perfect sense. I mean, they're low-maintenance.
12: You're so right. They're low, as Bart would say, low maintenance. You know, they, they provide an entire catch and cleanup service when it comes to pest control. So it's not like putting a trap out and then you have to kind of, you know, bait it and then remove the rat and things. They, they do the whole job. So, you know, they're a complete cleanup service. But also they just look after themselves. They wash themselves. They deal with their own waste. Um, so, no, they, they would consider themselves extremely low maintenance, modest shipmates.
4: Mm -hmm. you said that they would deal with their own waste. How is that?
12: Well, I'm not quite sure, but there was a huge amount. When you start reading about dogs at sea, there was a huge amount of deck washing that had to take place.
10: That's deck washing.
12: Um, Uh, Washing the (laughs) decks down, yes. Washing the decks down for you-know-what. And with cats, you never read about this, so they obviously managed to find some place to bury their waste and deal
1: with it it's a great book i have 10 copies to give away right now it's called seafarers the ship's cats who lapped and mapped the world and incidental history if you're not lucky enough to get through head on over to amazon.com or your local bookstore and ask for it okay well i appreciate you spending time with us today
12: thank you very much indeed it's been it's been a fun voyage i have to say.
8: All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because Canine Caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with canine caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at Mm caninecaviar.com.
0: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Vellani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Are
1: you crazy about your pets? If you are, you found us. We are the show for crazy pet people. I mean, people crazy about their pets. Absolutely, well, we're, we're crazy. We do things for our animals that some people might think is bizarre, strange. We spoil them like family. They are yeah. our family. For you, especially. And we've
4: always been like this, right? Except for now, it's just becoming more acceptable, finally. <laughs> and I'm getting worse. i got to say, you know I do agility with my dogs. Really? I actually went to a dog
3: carting um, event this weekend. Carting? So, What's yeah. that? Yeah, so um, it's where um, dogs that have um, kind of been raised uh, for a certain purpose. Uh, the Bouvier, one of the functions of the dog and long, long ago, was to um, haul small carts around the farm to help uh, the farmer. And so this was a basically an event, kind of showing how the dogs can do this and showing back to their original function what they were kind of born to do.
4: Really? It, it's now, really cool. Now, for people who have never seen a Bouvier, They're, how big are they?
3: Um, between about 80 to 100 pounds, I'd say, is average. Um, girls are you know, on the smaller end. Um, boys are the bigger. Um, and they look like a big, uh, a lot of people call them like, oh, they look like giant schnauzers. Um, but, uh, you know, they're a sturdy built dog They're you know, they got some good muscle on them and it was really amazing. They pull different styles of carts. Um, you know, they carry different weights. Um, it is really amazing. And, uh, you know, all I can see is, you know, I'm imagining my dog, Nikki, <laughs> doing this and like running from yeah, the right. cart. So I'm not sure if we'll get into it, but it was really intriguing and it's just so impressive to see what dogs, you know, have been bred to do.
1: It is so amazing that you keep track of all these different breeds and for you being a doctor, it's so much different than a human doctor. Being a, an animal doctor, you have to deal with not only multiple breeds, but mm-hmm. multiple species. And none of these species can say, hey, doc, my head hurts or my stomach hurts.
3: Well, the birds talk, but they don't always complain about those kind of things. They usually say that. Hurts.
1: <laughs> if you would like to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, the number is toll free 1-866-405-8405. Lori, what do you have coming up this hour for us?
4: Well... Uh, because of all of the problems we've had on airlines, uh, this product was probably in the works before all of those problems, but there is something that you can buy now to maybe help keep track of your pet, maybe even see your pet while you're flying. Ooh well while you're, while your pet is flying, let's say that you may be in the seat or you may be at home, but if your pet is on a plane, this would be a, a good way for you to keep in, you know track of it.
1: There is so much news about that now. Apparently, it is just really tough to travel with your pet unless you bring them on board and, and pay an, an exorbitant fee. You can't put them under, underneath now on United Airlines, which is okay because that's really where most of the problems occur anyway.
2: Yeah, but can you bring big dogs on board or is it just little ones that can fit under the seat? No. Big unless dogs have actually, to fly in cargo. Wow.
3: Unless they're a, um, a service dog. Yeah.
1: And I just yeah. saw this, you reported last hour that United has actually abandoned all cargo for hold. Uh, it's, yeah. it's on hold at, mm-hmm. at this point. Because
4: they're doing a, a review of the program, or all of their programs involving you know flying animals, whether it's in the, the cabin or in cargo or whatever. But until they're saying that the program, uh, the investigation should be complete about the 1st of May. So until then, they are suspending... Putting any animals in cargo, animals can fly on, um, you know, in the cabin. Or um, if you had made your reservations for the animal to fly before March 20th, it will still be able to fly. And there was an update to that story, too. I guess a lot of people were asking um, that active military is is exempt from that.
1: which is cool. I'm glad they're doing that. You know what? An airline that just catered to animal owners and animals would be right up our alley right now.
4: You probably just gave somebody a great idea for the next big thing. There you go. Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy.
1: Mhm. Where Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from
6: Phoenix, Arizona.
1: Is it hot there today?
6: Oh, is it hot here today?
1: Do you guys have tick, I mean, fleas out there?
6: Oh, uh, the doggies get um, ticks.
1: ticks. Ticks, but no fleas.
6: No. Too dry they for... die. <laughs> too <laughs> they much can't heat. can't handle it. They die. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. So what's uh, going on? How can we help you today? Well... This time of the year,
6: the fruit is abundant out here. We're talking lemons, limes, grapefruit. And this time of the year, we get uh, roof, what we call roof
1: rats. Roof rats?
6: Yeah. Oh, yes. They're, they're, they're like if you take a soda can, a Coke, and lay it vertically. That's about the size of them. And I've got a six-pound Jeez. Yorkie. And the other day, I was hearing some commotion, so I runs off back. And she just destroyed this guy. Now Oh my gosh. I was scared that the rogue rats how does a Yorkie kill a rug rat? Does she quite uh, well, Pardon? Well
3: Probably so, yeah. And actually, what's not terribly surprising, um, a lot of people don't know that Yorkshire Terriers actually were a ratting breed in the 19th century in England. Wow. They, that's actually what yeah. their job was. So they were sent yeah. into little burrows and into mines and factories, and they kept the rodents, um, under control. So yeah. some of this is instinct for, for these little guys, and they are tough, little, tenacious dogs. Yeah, so.
6: Geez. Or six months, yeah. you think she's a shepherd.
3: <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, they do. You know, and I have a Yorkie mix, so I know there's a lot of personality, a lot of attitude behind yeah. those little bodies. So. Yeah, there
6: is. Uh, yes.
3: So, um, nice. so the rat was killed. Was she okay afterwards?
6: Rocky, yeah. The puppy was fine. But she okay. stunk of, of rat. And I okay. went to shampooed her three, four times until her breath Kind of mellowed out. And I was just wondering if she killed it with her mouth and he, he could have possibly bit her, or is there any mm-hmm. infection there?
3: Well, you know, there are some potential infections that pets can get either directly or indirectly from wild rodents mm-hmm. like the rough rats. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of those things, you know, while they may not be terribly common, might be a concern, especially if she keeps up this ratting habit. <laughs> um, yeah. But there are You know, we do have um, in the wild rodent populations, even in the desert, um, they can have fleas. And fleas are important because they can carry, especially in the desert southwest, um, uh, the plague, um, which is uh, the bubonic plague. Yeah, so it's actually seen um, commonly in New Mexico, Arizona, Mm -hmm. a little bit in Nevada and California. So that's something Mm -hmm. that... the The fleas that affect rodents can then bite pets and then um, have them to develop that disease. So um, just, you know, even though you don't see fleas on your dog, um, know that they do exist in the wildlife. So, you know, consider using a regular flea protectant for that. And then, you know, I think the the other big disease that comes to mind is um, leptospirosis and um that's a bacterial infection um that uh animals can get from um, from the environment so like in moist environments where there's a lot of rain or flooding yeah I mean, right um, now that's
6: we're right in the middle of monsoon
3: yeah yeah so and that's a lot and, of rain and this this bacterial disease is actually um, spread through uh, rodents, um, things like squirrels and mice and rats. So um, if um, yeah. you know if you do have rodents around, that might be something to consider. And you know that can be a bad disease. Um, definitely can cause you know some kidney failure, some horrible symptoms. So there is a vaccination.
6: Animal, or animal and humans.
3: Um, actually in humans as well. Yeah. Oh, so. Goodness. Um, that is a concern for people yeah. um, in those environments. Well, you, so, what
6: I did was I notified the association, and mm-hmm. they came over and placed the three live traps. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they got mm, two of them, which they sent out, and they both uh, came back disease free.
3: Oh, good. Well, I'm glad so that I was they're they're
6: checking upset about it if that little rug rat could have hurt the dog
3: <laughs> yeah 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 well yeah. you know um, it's certainly possible and i will tell you my own dog my former labrador um uh-huh. came across a rat and swallowed it in one big gulp Ooh. and no. it was the most disgusting thing i've ever seen seeing oh. the tail like a piece of spaghetti going down its gullet oh. i was uh, just I'm glad
6: i heard the commotion and didn't see much Yeah, yeah. I would have been all over the place.
3: (laughs) And the other thing that, you know, for pet owners, if they do have animals, dogs and cats that are, you know, avid hunters and that are, you know, Catching wild rodents, there uh-huh. is the the remote possibility of a poisoning. So you know some some people put out rat poisons to to try to manage um, wild rodents, and yeah. if those rodents die and your pet eats, you know not just one necessarily but multiple rodents that have the pestis or the rodenticide in it, um, they yeah. can get a secondary toxicity. So that can be something else to be watchful yeah. for. Any kind of exactly. bleeding disorders. I was orders.
6: wondering that myself.
3: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But hopefully your baby, other than just being a tough little gal, um, hopefully she'll be fine. But I would certainly, you know, monitor her for any symptoms of any um, problems, swollen glands. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
1: She's all Mm -hmm. over me right now. (laughs) When you call them roof (laughs) rats, I want to know a little more about these rats here. You call them roof rats like R-O-O-F, roof rats. Is that because they hang out on the roof?
6: Basically, that's how they get their... uh, they get the drop-ins if, you know, if you don't pick them up in time. But if there are no drop-ins, they can, cl- they can get up on the roof.
3: Roof rats are actually, they're great climbers. So that's why they actually prefer height. So they don't, yeah. they will burrow on the ground in bushes and bushes and, and, vegetation, but they actually prefer being high up. So they like to climb yeah. up, um, buildings, um, trees. Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah, and they're very prolific. So they can have, uh, you know, at least six litters a year, so oh. you can easily have a very expanding population well, of rats. And uh, what I'm assuming
6: is why they love Arizona so much is 90 percent of your homes out here are stucco. So that's got to be very
3: easy for them to go vertical. Yes. That plus all the, like you mentioned, all the fruit trees. They love fruits, seeds. All of those are good food sources. But, you know, it's a great thing to think about. If you do have these, you want to do what you can to not make um, a happy home for them in your backyard. So not leaving pet food out, securing your garbage. All of that kind of stuff and making sure you secure your home for, you know, any kind of like little nooks or crannies yeah. where they can crawl in.
1: Okay, so you've answered my question. Well, good. Jimmy, okay. thanks for your call. Toll-free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. You're listening to
0: Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 866 405 8405 Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. Hi, Tom Baudet, coming to you from one of those open offices. They're designed to make it easier to share ideas and, apparently, the details of Cody the Intern's love life. So if you're looking for some space to call your own, try Motel 6. They have the low prices you've come to expect, plus the peace and quiet you so desperately crave. I'm Tom Baudet for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. And, Cody, you can do better. Book online at motel6.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405.
1: It is Animal Radio. If you have a senior animal, you want to be listening in just a few minutes. We're going to talk to Dr. Robin Downing. Her practice specializes in pain and palliative medicine for pets, which basically means helping them through end stages of their life and not necessarily just end stages I mean if they're having pain in early stages of their life she deals with pain and she says unlike human
13: males
1: (laughs) (laughs) cats don't show their pain cats hide their pain but she has some clues to finding the pain and uh, she'll tell us about that coming up this hour right here on Animal Radio we're about 10 minutes away from a news check with Lori Brooks what are you working on?
4: Uh, I found a great review. i'm always I'm such a nerd when it comes to you know if I need anything for my dogs or or the cat. I'm like jump online and research. I'm sorry, Dr. debbie, but i I do Dr. Google um yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, but I found a great review of e collars, those you know cone of shame that that thing that uh, usually dogs and sometimes cats have to wear after uh-huh. they have procedures done. So we'll tell you what they found.
1: Okay, that's on the way in just a few minutes. Let's uh, go to the phones for your calls right now. By the way, I meant to mention this earlier. If you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, our very own Dr. Debbie has some great reads they their Kindle books over at Amazon called How to Be Your Dog's Best Friends for each one of those breeds. And we have links over at AnimalRadio.com. Now, if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now. Let's do it. Hi, Ron. Welcome to the show. Good bit. What's going on? Right.
6: Uh, the problem I have with a truck lab, well, her name is Dolly. She is chewing on her pads on the bottom of her feet right now, her two front paws.
3: Okay. And she's. Uh, did- and she's Go ahead. She's
6: cracking them open.
3: Okay, well, um, if this is something where it just happened all of a sudden, the first thing I look at is if there's been some recent activity that's kind of gone over the edge. Some dogs will just a little bit, especially labs, they'll be a little bit anxious and overdo it when it comes to activities like retrieving, running. So if there's been some physical injury where she sustained that, then um, we look at bandaging and getting her off her feet and some R&R for a while. Now, there are certainly dogs that will get some cracked Pads and for various different reasons. Some of them can be some um, metabolic problems inside the body. Um, and other times it's just a matter of some dry skin or what we call hyperkeratosis. So um, it really would be something I would advise to have a vet get their eyeballs on just so that we can make that distinction because there are definitely some really freaky looking foot pads in older dogs where the, the foot pad actually grows off to the side. It gets all kind of bristly looking and it can have all these fissures and cracks in it. And by itself, that isn't usually a problem. Um, so if the fact that she's bothering it and especially if we see any oozing or bleeding then you know this is something we really need to get a look at and with an older girl of 13 some of those metabolic problems kind of come to the surface and we might want to you know evaluate that a bit further
6: okay i was just wondering this is all of a sudden i'm a truck driver and she's in a truck all the time so okay it, it causes a problem because on different different places all the time and you walking with ashwolves all the time, and that's hot sometimes with of the, the heat.
3: Yeah. And this, if this would be something where, um, you know, it sounds silly and Hal will probably laugh at me, but there are, (laughs) there are dog booties and dog socks that have little bits of skid pads on the bottom. So, you know, if it is a matter of her feet are sensitive and we're not able to get to a vet to do bandaging, some of those little socks and, um, the booties, it takes a little time to get them used to that and acclimated to that. But that might be a protective device that you could use, especially when when you're on the road to just keep those feet from really getting irritated. Um, And yes, I would put those on, boss. I think that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think they protect our babies. I think
1: they're cute. I actually do think they're cute. It's when you start putting on the dresses with the frills that I get a little uh, perturbed. But the booties are great, and I know that Ladybug actually has little booties that go on. They're so cute. cute. (laughs) Ron, I hope that helps you out, buddy. That helped a lot. Thank you very much. 1-866-405-8405. By the way, we do follow ups. I don't think there's any other radio show that does follow ups. If you if you have issues still, our solution doesn't help you, feel free. It's free of charge. <laughs> it really is. 1866 405 8405. What is it? A full moon? Oh it is? And now a
7: word from my best friend that's my dog when I come home. Hi, Talon Cable. I want to talk to you about your dog's behavior. There's a big difference between dog training and dog behavior. One of the most common problems we hear about is excessive barking. Most dogs are going to bark. It's part of their nature. That's how they communicate. And sometimes barking is good. You know, you want your dog to warn you if somebody's coming into your house. Certain dog breeds bark more than others. They're bred to be barkers. And dogs have different barks that you can learn. Let's talk about the different reasons why dogs bark. We already talked about the warning bark. Dogs also bark when they get anxiety. Some dogs have separation anxiety, and they'll bark all day. Dogs also bark when they're being playful, when they want your attention, and when they're bored. They also bark when another dog barks. (laughs) So now that we know a little bit about why dogs bark, how do you stop it? As always, positive reinforcement and reward are the techniques I like to use. Now, if you're somebody who works long hours and you're away from the house all day, your dog's probably going to bark. But you can reduce some of that barking by making sure your dog gets plenty of exercise. Getting rid of that pent-up energy? Well, get rid of some of the barking. If your dog is barking at you, pay no attention. In fact, turn your back on your dog. The more attention you give your dog, the more you're actually encouraging the barking. Yelling doesn't work. If you're ignoring your dog and he stops barking, that's when you give praise. Good dog. You can give a treat, too. In fact, whenever your dog is doing a desired behavior, like just laying still and being calm, that's a great time to walk over and pet your dog. If that's not working, correct your dog. Poke her in the neck with your fingers or keep a leash in so you can give her correction when you need to and use the sound of a word like hey or no after you do that immediately divert the dog's attention with a treat or a toy or give her a project take a hot dog cut it up and throw it all over the backyard let her hunt for it giving your dog something better to do than bark remember whenever your dog does something that seems weird take her to the vet first make sure there's no medical problem but anytime you take on a behavior modification it's going to take patience and consistency and you'll see the rewards of your hard work quicker than you think
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. I'm a one-trick pony, literally. I show up at kids' parties and act cute. That's pretty much it. So excuse me for being bitter when Geico says not only could we save you money on car insurance, but we do more, like give you 24-7 access online, over the phone, or even via our award-winning mobile app. Well, ooh-la-la, aren't they (laughs) multi-talented? Hey, I said organic carrots. Ah! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.
4: This is an Animal Radio News update. I'm Lori Brooks. Well, because every pet is likely going to need to wear a cone or cone of shame at some point in their life, we have a few takeaways from this... Excellent review article I found. Uh, it was done by thewirecutter.com, and it was really in-depth, all on cones or e-collars. And they have winners in every category that you can think of. Plastic cones, inflatable cones, soft cones, padded cones. Remember, cones is replaceable with e-collars. Uh, they researched a variety of styles and designs of 21 different e-collars, and then focused on those tater- who is crying because he thinks he's going to have to model one of these. Uh, but they focused on, out of those 21, those that had the best reviews by third parties, uh, they had to be priced between $20 and $40, um, depending on the size. But they also had to be available at multiple retailers, not just one place. And they had to be easy to clean. And from those, they found 10 that ranked the highest, and then they tested those e-collars. The overall winner... Was what they call the remedy plus recovery e collar, uh, which the Wirecutter.com dot com said was more comfortable than most plastic e collars, thanks to it having padded edges. And they it's, they say that it's long enough to prevent most pets from licking their wounds that are supposed to be healing. Plus, it scratches less than other cones. I love that because I hate when they they just look you know blurry because they're so ratted out. Um, um, they come in five sizes and it's easier, they say, to assemble those cones, the Remedy Plus Recovery e-collar, than it is the ones that your vets sell. So mm. they say, but they say it's not ideal for every pet, although this is the big winner. Um, it's not perfect for pets that have, like mine, you know, short noses or those smush face breeds. Uh, they say those should have an inflatable collar instead. So. For cats or for those short nosed dogs, they recommend the Kong Cloud Collar. Uh, It's an inflatable one. You blow it up.
1: I I wore one for a while. There was, and it was an inflatable one, wasn't it, Judy, that I had to wear? Yes. And those are those are yes. great. Those are soft. Comfortable. Those are yeah, and you don't you don't have like something sharp in, in your neck or anything like that. And you you,
2: yeah, you, you weren't you able sleep to lick yourself. Huh? You weren't able to lick yourself. <laughs> no, I, I, for
1: the entire time that I had to wear it I wasn't licking in inappropriate good. places. That's good.
3: good. But you know what? I have to chime in because the most important thing is to use the style of collar. I don't care regardless of the brand, the style of collar recommended by your veterinarian. Okay. I just had a dog last week. We did surgery to remove several tumors, and she refused to take the appropriate e-collar, you know, the kind looks like a, you know the the dog with the, the radio, cone. Yeah, <laughs> the okay. cone, um, she wanted the inflatable collar. So the dog chewed basically all three incisions, and we just had to spend oh. another couple hundred dollars to re-sew those all up because she didn't listen to me about the style. Um, there, I gave her lots of suggestions on alternative brands if she didn't like the ones that we had, but um, that is very important. So surgeries in certain areas require a different style, so good to the know. inflatable
4: ones aren't good for everything. Thing.
1: good good to know well
4: you know dr debbie one thing they said in this article that i thought was interesting was that for some cats that can you know maneuver themselves around that e-collar you can oh. use a baby t-shirt and oh, sure my yeah. pads are incredibly loud today and i apologize for that <laughs> but that the baby t-shirt just makes sure that it's clean so depending on the wound how often you'll have to change it but would Let that in. work
3: you know, as long as... But, you know, unless the T-shirt's actually sewed the animal, they can push it aside. So realize that if you have a really interested pet that wants to lick themselves with a t-shirt on they may still get to it so you you really have to monitor closely and know if it's going to cover the area fully or not if it's kind of an abdominal area sometimes those t-shirts just don't cover the area um so you you just kind of have to really watch on that Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and just remember it's all fun and games until someone ends up in a cone that's uh just my (laughs) advice that again there's more free advice for me there i'm not no one has to pay for that. That's just free. I just throw that in. because Your you're advice listening.
4: is welcome anytime, Hal. You're welcome. Airlines, uh, gosh, have been in the news so much lately for all of those problems. Now, if all of those stories from the last month have made you fearful of putting your pet on a plane, the technology company Unisys has developed a new way for you to keep track and keep in touch with your pet when it's flying, and especially. This is handy if it's flying in the cargo hold when it's out of your sight or would be otherwise. It's the new DigiPet system, and it uses sensors, and I'm going to come back to you on this, Hal. Uh It uses sensors and the Internet of Things to keep animals safe. So it works like this. Sensors monitor environmental factors like the temperature, the cargo hold, oxygen levels, vibration and light. So the system can automatically send alerts to pet parents or people who, you know, are on the plane, uh, airline staff monitoring this so that if there's any issue, they can get to the pet. It also gives full visibility of the pet's comfort and env- environmental conditions by enabling owners to not only see through this special app but they can talk to their pet and calm them down Hmm. now i just said something i'm thinking can you even get to the cargo hold while the plane is in
1: flight that would be tough to i don't think you can do that and i also think there'll be some complications you know they don't let you use your cell phones or anything with any kind of radio waves when you fly they tell you to turn off your cell phones i'm not sure how that would work and how that would be approved by the federal regulators so there's
2: there's no like Hatch in the plane where they go back and lift up a hatch and go down into...
1: Most planes, uh, the cargo is actually accessible from the
4: outside.
2: Well, it always is, but isn't there's nothing accessible I, from the inside. I don't know. Huh? I'm
1: not... I don't huh. know.
4: I think I remember some... Who was that um, actor did a bunch of bad movies? Leslie Steven's Nielsen. Adult.
0: Oh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Him, too. But I was going to ask you, Hal, about the Internet of Things yeah the the interweb thingy, yeah I'm gonna join that someday. I hear it's pretty good, okay
1: I, <laughs> I, hear, I hear that facegram thing is pretty cool, and I should be on facegram Facegram. face, oh, so I shouldn't have asked
4: you internet of things <laughs> I thought for sure you would know, okay, I'll check back and I'll uh yeah well, my I'm dead. And I will get back to you in a minute, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm Lori Brooks. Be sure to get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. What are
1: you laughing at, Dr. Debbie?
4: I
3: just appreciate someone who knows less about the Internet than I do.
8: (laughs) This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
7: This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. It is
1: Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with our pets. And we've been doing this, we're in our 18th year doing this, and it was our second year, just the beginning of our second year that we first had our next guest on. We welcome back to the air, Dr. Robin Downing, and she practices pain and palliative medicine for all kinds of animals. And especially today, we're going to be talking about cats because cats kind of hide it. You know what I mean? Doctor, welcome back to the show.
13: Well, thank you so much, Hal, for having me back. And um, it's really a pleasure. And it has been a very long time since we last chatted.
1: Too long. (laughs) Why is it our cats, they just don't show pain when they're in pain?
13: What a great question, and, of course, I get this question from my clients all the time. You know, why is it harder for us to tell when a cat is in pain versus a dog? And really it's all about cats being masterful at hiding their pain. So we need to consider this. Cats are predators, and when predators can no longer hunt, they become someone else's prey. And this is really an evolutionary holdover. That contributes to our dilemma because we have an animal that is used to being in charge, and when they can't be in charge, their task, as far as they're concerned, is to prevent others from knowing that they are weak, to prevent others from thinking that they are weak, and so they'll hide that weakness meaning they'll hide their pain until they just can't hide it anymore. Another part of the dilemma, though, is that cats don't just purr when they aren't content. Ah. And so this is actually uh, something that contributes to my dilemma as a veterinarian, because these are cats who are painful will often purr as a form of self-comfort, kind of l- like thumb-sucking in infants or children. And if they're purring when they're painful, the owner can actually be deceived into thinking that they're just fine and they're purring from contentment.
1: That's me. That's mm-hmm. me totally.
2: So what what sort of signs should we as pet owners look for in our cats?
13: So when I talk about cats and pain and how do we detect it, whether I'm talking with my colleagues or I'm talking with cat owners, really it all boils down to being alert to any changes in their behaviors. So what kinds of behaviors might we think about that could change in the face of pain? The most common that I see are cats who no longer want to go vertical. So these are cats that used to sit in the windowsill and look at birds, or they used to jump up on the furniture or the counters in the kitchen, or they used to sleep with the owners on the beds. And now they're not doing those things. Now, I I do, do have to confess, I've had the occasional client tell me, happily that their cat is no longer getting on the kitchen counter, but it bursts their bubble when they realize that they're not getting on the kitchen counter because they're uncomfortable.
1: Let's take a quick break if we can. We are with Dr. Robin Downing. She practices pain and palliative medicine. When we come back, we're going to find out about some of the treatments that are used to treat pain. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker,
0: America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagging tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com.
8: Every day, you strive for faster, easier, and less messy. So wouldn't you want the same experience for your dog? Bissell understands the challenges of bathing your furry friend and the even bigger mess it can create. The Bissell Bark Bath is an all-in-one system for pet parents, eliminating the frustrations and messy cleanup that is inevitable when washing your four-legged family members. Bathing your dog is faster, easier, and less messy with the Bissell Bark Bath. Visit GetBarkBath.com to learn more. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals.
5: People too. Wondering if your dog or cat is stressed out? A Japanese company has developed a patch that purports to measure the stress levels of dogs and cats by detecting excessive sweat secretion. The patch is applied to the center pad of the animal's paw and changes color depending on how sweaty the pet is. The company, which makes a similar patch for humans, says it worked with researchers at Toyama University to study the sweat patterns of dogs. And cats, which secrete sweat from their paws. Is it just me or does this sound a lot like a mood ring?
4: I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio.
5: Hi, this is Mayam Bialik on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet.
1: It is Animal Radio and we are with Dr. Robin Downing and we're talking about just how well cats can hide their pain. So we've talked about a couple of things like purring. What else?
13: Another important behavior for us to monitor in kitties that would lead us to think they might be painful is an unkempt hair coat. You know, cats are really fastidious creatures. They love staying clean. They love having a beautiful hair coat. But when they're painful, they will either decrease their grooming or they might stop grooming altogether. So they just look like, they've, they, they look like they're wearing a rumpled suit. They look unkempt. They might develop mats in their hair. Other things for cat owners to be aware of is that they might see changes in how their cats like to be handled. So it may be, occasionally I'll have a cat owner say, well, she doesn't want me to pet her there, or she doesn't want me to touch her there, or she no longer wants me to pick her up. She used to sit in my lap, and now she wants to sit beside me. We may see changes in eating or drinking behavior. They might not eat as well or as much. They might be off their drinking as well. And then another huge signal for us to watch for is their litter pan behavior. If I have a cat for whom it becomes uncomfortable to get into and out of a litter pan, then that's a cat who may have been perfectly litterpox trained its whole life, and now all of a sudden it's urinating in places it shouldn't or it is defecating in places that it shouldn't. We may also see cats who no longer play with their toys or with the other pets in the household. And oftentimes, a well-meaning cat owner will just chalk it up to, well, you know, he's getting older. But I always hasten to remind everyone that old age is not a disease, and when we see changes we think might be due to age, they actually might be due to pain. We may have a cat who was previously very happy, and now they're crabby. Or we may have a cat who used to want to be right where the action is, and now when the grandkids come to the house, the cat disappears into a bedroom. And so all of that slowing down or any changes in their activities of daily living, these are all signals to us to really look carefully for the possibility of pain.
1: Hmm. What about treating the pain? I assume we can treat it, and is it different than treating dogs for pain?
13: Well, certainly it is dif- different to treat cats than to treat dogs for pain, but first we have to think about what would be the most common causes for pain, because it's only by understanding the cause of the pain that we can even choose, make a rational choice about treatment options. So the most common reason that we would find pain in a cat is actually chronic pain from osteoarthritis. Here's what the data tell us. We had a really elegant study that came out of Texas A&M University College of Veterinary Medicine just a couple of years ago that lets us know that cats across all ages, so it doesn't matter if they're very young or very old, about 20% of those cats are suffering from painful osteoarthritis. But then the number gets really interesting when we get to 10 years of age and older. And we now know that greater than 90% of cats who are 10 years of age or older have evidence of osteoarthritis in at least one joint on an X-ray. That's a huge number of cats having chronic pain from osteoarthritis. There are three other really important sources of pain for cats. And again, this is what leads us to understand that it's complex to treat cat pain because we have to understand where it is before we treat it. The first is oral pain from periodontal disease. Cats have this unique phenomenon that can happen where their immune system turns against the cat's own teeth and makes holes in those teeth all the way down to the nerve. And those resorptive lesions can be excruciatingly painful. So the periodontal disease by itself can be painful, but these lesions can be equally or even more excruciatingly painful. And cats actually have a fairly high incidence of cancer in the mouth, oral squamous cell carcinoma. This is also really painful. A second additional pain phenomenon we see in cats is the abdominal pain from either inflammatory bowel disease or IBD pancreatitis, where the pancreas becomes very inflamed and super secretes digestive enzymes into the abdomen, or kidney pain, because cats actually fairly commonly develop kidney stones, so not bladder stones, but kidney stones. And any human who's had kidney stones can tell you that can be very painful. Finally, we have to consider bladder pain. Cats, a certain percent of cats, will develop this condition that we now refer to as feline idiopathic cystitis. So breaking that down, idiopathic means we don't have a single cause that we can put our finger on. Cystitis means inflammation in the bladder. So feline idiopathic cystitis can leave cats with bladder spasms and incredible pain when they try to urinate. They can actually pass blood in their urine and this is a really challenging phenomenon for us to deal with. The good news is that with appropriate pain medication and appropriate nutrition, as well as stress management by using tools like pheromones in the home, we can actually manage these kitties and restore them to comfort.
1: I have learned so much from you today. Is there a website for the Downing Center for Animal Pain Management where you work?
13: There certainly is. It's www. Downing Center, all one stream, dot com, And I really appreciate the opportunity to bring uh, a little bit of illumination to cat pain to uh, your program today. I very much appreciate your time.
1: Hey, let's not wait 15 years again.
13: That sounds good <laughs> to
7: me, Hal. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified fear-free veterinary professional near you,
1: visit fearfreepets.com. It's time for us to get on out of here. Remember, if you need your fix during the week, visit us over at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Have yourself a great week. Bye.
4: Bye Bye-bye. Potty time, dogs. Come on.
1: This is Animal Animal
4: Radio Network.
0: Network.